I'd like to welcome uh, our guest speaker today, but she's really not a guest because uh, this is her home and uh, we're glad to have her home whenever we can have her. Uh, Pastor Helen McMinn is going to come speak. She's been a missionary uh, throughout Africa for, uh, for 43 years now and has just been doing tremendous work. Um, she, uh, she calls herself retired, but she's really not. She, she does so much work still to this day and uh, we're just so thankful for her and thankful that she's here to share a word with us today. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I'm so thankful to the Lord that we didn't get all blown away, aren't you? And we're missing the pastor and the uh, this pastoral team, but uh, we're here. Amen? And uh, we want to meet with the Lord, and we've already met with him in this time of worship. Thank God. We, um, I just want to appreciate this church and their part in missions and their thrust that they have around the world and it has borne tremendous fruit and I have been a recipient of this wonderful support of this church and I just want to say again a special word of thank you. Uh, I was thinking of people that have suffered great loss this morning and maybe even before I say a word I'd like to pray and ask God not only for that we would be receptive to the word that he has for us today, but that we will remember those in that islands there and, uh, that, that are suffering today and uh, need God's provision. We just pray that uh, God will do a new thing in their lives, especially spiritually, that God will speak to them through this. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for the people of God that are gathered in your house today. We thank you, Lord, that uh, the glory belongs to you in all things. And Lord, even through this storm that has uh, taken such a toll in the Bahamas and in other places, even in uh, Nova Scotia, and we do pray for the people that have been affected we ask, oh God, that you will, many of them are bereaved, many of them are suffering great loss today. And Lord, we pray that you make a wonderful provision for them. And as the provision is made, may they turn their eyes upon Jesus. May they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ if they do not know him. There surely were brothers and sisters in Christ in that situation. And we do pray for them this morning that you will strengthen them, you will encourage them. Bless them and provide for them, we pray. And Lord, we do pray again today for the people gathered in your house. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will speak into each and every one of our lives and that you'll do whatever you want to do in our lives today through your word. It will come alive, afresh and anew to us. We're dependent on the Holy Spirit uh, to, to help us along this journey of faith. And so today, Lord, we open our hearts and our lives to what you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to talk to you on the subject of firing our faith. Now, I don't know where, if anybody has ever used that title before, and I'm not sure. We, we fire people when we want to get rid of them in a job, eh? <laughs> and we don't want to fire faith that way. We want to... We want to bring it to life. We want to bolster our faith. But I thought being Pentecostal, I would put the fire into it. Hallelujah. <laughs> and uh, 
But I, re I'm think, I was thinking of this, uh, what the words of Jesus, a question that he asked, and it's in Luke chapter 18, verse 8b. I'd like to start with that scripture. If I was preaching here all the time, I'd sure want a bigger pulpit. <laughs> I'm an old-fashioned preacher, you know. Uh, he said this, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? A very challenging question, isn't it? And... Uh, I find that uh, the scriptures in many places, of course, are concerned about faith, and we all, some of you already heard a message on faith, but this is what the Lord wants for us today. Colossians chapter 1, I would like to read some verses there. I believe that in Paul's prayer for the church at Colossae, that he was touching on that very issue. And I've been meditating on this portion of scripture. It's been very meaningful to me. Uh, because right there in the opening part of his prayer in Colossians chapter 3, let's read, let's just read through. Is it up on the screen by any chance? No? Okay. I can't see it, but okay. So let's read it together. From verse 3 to verse 14. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of the darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Where are you on the journey of faith? That's a good question. Are you starting? Or have you been on the journey for a long time? 
Or have you departed from the faith? Some are doing that these days. Some of you have not started. Another question. How would you rate your faith? Would you say you're weak or strong? Are you growing or dying? <laughs> or you are without a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Those are questions we want to think about, but there's a need. I want to bring to your attention, there's, there's a need of faith in the church and the world in general. You know, we hear about end-time renewal and revival and all of those things, and we do look forward to that. But we look at the, there are some faith statistics, and this is from uh, Charisma News some years ago, not that long ago, um, it, that indicates an erosion of faith may be taking place among profession, professing Christians. And there is need to do something about it. Just like the question Jesus asked. Will there be faith? While 79% of those who attend evangelical churches find their faith very important, only 36% of them actually believe that faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life the slightly larger majority believe that many religions can lead to eternal life. And these are church members. That's pretty shocking, isn't it? Sometimes we think if you're an evangelical Christian, you believe like we believe, isn't it? That Jesus Christ is the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. And then in the world, we find the religious pluralism. It's impacting our world and our leaders. The trend toward religious pluralism, which generally refers to the belief in two or more religious worldviews as being equally valid or acceptable. It is not just tolerance. Religious pluralism accepts that there are many paths to God so contradictory to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And here's where we can be tricked sometimes. In, the, in the, trying to be tolerant, we find we are swallowing more than we should. And I think we need to be cautious. This is, is, is not just tolerance. Religious pluralism wants to bring together all the religions of the world. And we know that that will come at the end of time. Well, we're marching on that way, but we're not there yet. And we have work to do for God. As you may or may not know, the Queen of England has a significant role in the Church of England and is designated as the defender of the faith. Apparently, I read this recently, if uh, Charles, her son, ever comes to the throne, he has made known he will not be the defender of the faith, but defender of faith. That tells you something, doesn't it? 
as he has obviously is ready to promote religious pluralism. It is not a time to draw back, but to firm up and fire our faith. That's faith that Jude talked about when he said, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We have need of strong faith today to meet life's challenges. Actually, when Jesus was here on earth, he saw the need of faith in his disciples. How many times did Jesus say, oh, ye of little faith? And he was talking to his disciples mostly, wasn't he? He saw it as they coped with everyday challenges. There are many examples in the Gospels. When they were afraid on the troubled sea. And he rebuked them for their lack of faith, isn't it? And how many times are we afraid? We can relate to this. We too sometimes don't have the faith that we need to have. We need our faith to be bolstered. When in doubt of provision, Jesus said, of course he was teaching in his great sermon, the lilies of the field, they still are not neither to spin, but I will, don't worry about those things, worry. Some of us are what we call worry warts, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes when facing impossibilities, like the disciples when they couldn't cast out the demon, and uh, they asked Jesus why, and he, he told them they needed, he rebuked them for their lack of faith. So some of us are in the same boat, though, isn't it? And so we need to have our faith bolstered, our faith afire. The Apostle Paul saw the need of faith to be fired in the Colossian church. That is revealed, as I've already mentioned, in the prayer, in this prayer that we read this morning. There's always need, from this prayer we can see, these folk, he was commending them. He says, we always thank God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the, the love that you have for all the saints. You know, that's an evidence that you really have faith in Jesus when you love the saints. Isn't it? If you have something against the saints, one of the other saints, man, you need to have your faith fired, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, uh, he was commending them. He saw they were. And the interesting thing about this is that the Apostle Paul was not the one who founded this church. It was Epaphroditus. He was the one. He didn't never even knew these people, but he had heard about them. And he, so their faith, people had talked about them. They were known for their faith in Christ Jesus. And they, he said, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And he's realizing that this faith also was sparked by their hope of heaven and their hope, their blessed hope, who is in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an eschatological, in theological terms, <laughs> we have an eschatological dimension to our faith. Uh, and even, even Abraham had that, remember, because he looked for a city whose founder and maker is God, isn't it? And we see that. People look beyond this life. That's the, that's the person whose faith is on fire. They're not just living for down here. They're living for beyond. They've got an eye on heaven. We used to sing more songs about heaven <laughs> than we do nowadays. We're so very occupied with what's going on in this world. 
So he commands them. You see, he has faith, love, and hope there. I'm not intending to do an exegesis of this, but I just wanted to bring a few thoughts <laughs> that came to me. Of this you have heard before. Now he's telling the source of faith. Okay, he's talking. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in all the world is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. You see how, how focused the apostle Paul is. These people of faith, he wanted to get something more going in their lives. He wanted to spark their faith. And he's reminding them about their, the roots of their faith. And we, from time to time, need to be reminded of the roots of our faith. It is in the truth of God's word. And it is in the truth of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We learn about the krigma, or the, you know, the, the core of the gospel, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that he is indeed the only one, the only way to heaven. The good news, this is the good news. What the world is teaching people is the fake news and the bad news, isn't it? But we have the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's pointing out to them, it's, it's centralized in the word of God. The source of faith. He speaks of them and he says... Um, down in his prayer, he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Even when people come to faith in Christ, even as believers in Jesus, people having faith, in order to, to make, keep our faith strong, we do need others to pray for us. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, in that day, they were torn aside, they were being taught the philosophies of men, much like, especially in universities and institutions of higher learning where people are being bombarded with uh, the philosophies of men, of hu human philosophies. And he says, in contrast to that, he talks about, and they think of it as wisdom. This is, this is, this is knowledge, this is great wisdom. And he's saying, that he's praying for them, that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, we get spiritual wisdom from the word of God. We get spiritual wisdom from Jesus, because when we go into the word of God, we learn about Jesus, isn't it? And we get the wisdom. He's, he is the source. He is the fountain of wisdom and knowledge. And so this is so very important to our faith, to sparking our faith. And the reason is, we have to do this. We have to have this wisdom from God in order to live a life that is fully pleasing or live in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Sometimes as Christians today, people seem to live different lifestyles than we used to live one time. We think we can do almost anything. I think you know what I'm saying. And really, there's a way of living that is 
in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. This knowledge of God, always in the New Testament, means not just head knowledge, but experiential knowledge. Folks, if we're, we need to have our faith um, uh, fired by having a knowledge of God, experientially knowing God. And as we walk with him on the journey of faith, the experiences that we go through in life, the prayers that he answers, hallelujah, the way that he leads us and directs our lives, we get to know more about God. And of course, again, it comes from the word of God. And then he says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Here we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul always seems to put the two together, the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And indeed, in these last days, as Pentecostal people, we have a tremendous privilege being baptized in the Holy Spirit and able to pray in tongues, able to intercede in the Spirit. We have an advantage, and we should not uh, neglect that opportunity. Take advantage of it. He says, with all power. I like uh, the way that Paul speaks. He speaks in superlatives. And he, here he is speaking in that way. Says that you may have all, all power. And then he says the purpose of it is, is it for doing miracles here in this passage? No. It is for endurance and patience with joy. It is for going through some of these circumstances in life that come our way not to go, go through them in a defeated way, but to go through in a way of victory, with joy, giving thanks to the Father because he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and so on. Talks about our, he goes off on another, uh, talking about our redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Some of you this morning may be going through, and I'm sure there are people in this congregation going through tremendous challenges. We need faith for all of those challenges. And according to Paul here in Colossians, we, uh, as he prayed for those believers, we can even pray for those we know are going through those circumstances. They might be filled uh, with all that they need. They need the word of God, and they need the power of God. Then there are divine human encounters that fire our faith. Sometimes when you have a need, you come to the altar here and people pray for you, isn't it? And you have a divine human encounter. It isn't that you, you don't have an encounter with an individual, but you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit when somebody prays for you and you are touched by the Spirit of God. In Pentecostal services, this is what we need. And this is what we look for. And it is something that really sparks our faith. And 
Then, when we leave here, of course, and we go to our homes or wherever, we also have to have our own divine encounters with God. We have to spend that time in prayer in the Word. Sometimes we neglect that. We want people to pray for us all the time. But that's not good. We have to learn to also have our own divine human encounters with the Lord through the Word and in times of prayer in particular. Divine human encounters are experienced in different ways. And they're all for the purpose of helping us to fulfill God's will and purpose in our lives. They're not just for us. They are for us, but they're more than for us. They're to help us to stand strong in our faith, to reach out to others, to share his love with a dying world and a faceless world. It is interesting. A friend of mine I met the other day came. She's from up somewhere in northern New Brunswick. She had been a missionary in Hong Kong. She came to visit me, and she was telling me about this big family of hers. There's 13 of them. And she said uh, she was doing a study of ancestry, going into the ancestry of this family and looking at all the background and so on. And she was to bring a report. They were having a family meeting. And um, she was, uh, the day she was to make the presentation, she said, I know some of them don't know the Lord, and I want to be a witness to them. And so she said, um, she was asking the Lord to guide her and directors that she'd be able to say something to them, that she'd be able to reach them for Jesus. And uh, she said, uh, that day she was going, she said, the Lord spoke to her in her heart. She had a divine human encounter. God spoke to her. Hallelujah. When God speaks, that's a divine human encounter, isn't it? And he spoke to her, and you know what he said? He said, it isn't important where you came from. It's important where you're going to. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I said that was a word from the Lord. That was a word from the Lord. And she said she went and though some of those people that don't know that she said they were moved, they were touched. Because she was able to go on that and say, you know, you're either going to go to heaven or hell, we know. And we have to be prepared. And it's important. And she could even, and she had a wonderful opportunity to witness. And you know, I was in my apartment building the other day, a few week, days ago, a week ago maybe. And I met this lady and we got talking. And she was telling me all about her ancestors. <laughs> and you know, I was able even to get in that word. I was able to witness to her too and share Oh, and then she was telling me, oh, yeah, you know, you know how people are. But anyway, we share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know that divine encounter, you see how it was a blessing to her family? When you have a divine human encounter, it's a blessing to somebody else. It was something that I could use to witness to somebody else, you see? And we need to be having these experiences. They really spark our faith. Um, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, divine human encounters that fired faith were prescribed by God. When God began to reveal himself in the Old Testament, he provided a means of connecting point for, div 
that for them to connect with God and divine resources and to himself. And he had this, the tabernacle and he had a place and he had a system of, of, um, of doing that. He had a prescription. And I think of David, you know, and he says, um, Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And he says, And I looked upon you in the sanctuary and beheld your glory. David, when he went into that old tabernacle, he saw God. When you come here, do you see God? Have you seen anything of God? Have you felt anything of God? God wants that for us. He wants us to have divine human encounters in the place of worship. And we do it according to God's prescription. Hallelujah. Even the New Testament, that you know how Jesus gave the woman at the well a new prescription for having divine encounter. He says, no more of this, this uh, ritualistic worship. We worship in spirit and in truth. It's a very, very important thing. In 1 Peter 2 and 9, oh, wait now, let me just back up here. In the New Testament, Jesus taught the woman at the well, a prescription for worship. He transformed, I want to say he transformed that worship experience. In 1 Peter 2, 9, he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And I think if we're going to spark our faith, and this is the message, the core of the message that I want to bring to you today, it is that we need to step up to the plate as worshipers. This was what God wants from us. This is what God wants from us. He wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Hebrews 13, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Um, I want to give you this, uh, I don't know if it's on the screen, the definition of worship. I have it somewhere here. Worship, you see, I'm a, I'm a, I like to be a teacher too, you know. <laughs> Worship is the humble, adoring, life-encompassing declaration of the absolute worthiness of God as creator and redeemer. The believer demonstrates it through faithful, humble, reverent service to God and manifests it in holy living and spirit-enabled ministry in the body of Christ. It results in a deepening personal relationship with the triune God revealed in Jesus Christ, and it is experienced through the Holy Spirit. We have to worship in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Sometimes, and oh, I would say that praise 
is one aspect of worship that is so important in entering into a divine human encounter. A church service like this is a place where many of us have relegated ourselves to mere spectators. You have relegated yourself to a mere spectator. Here's a place where you can be supported in worship by praising him. You open your mouth and you say hallelujah. hallelujah. You know, I'm a Presbyterian Pentecostal. When I came to this church, they used to tell me, oh, raise your hands and praise the Lord. And I thought, no, I'm a Presbyterian. I didn't want to do that. But you know, the Lord spoke to me. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. I said, okay, Lord, I'll put up my hand and praise the Lord myself. The minute I did that, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've never been the same since. Hallelujah. Yes. He wants us to be worshipers. Worshiping him in spirit and in truth. This is what's going to fire your faith in these last days. You need to know God. You need to experience God. No funny nonsense. I don't believe in nonsense. I believe in the real thing. And God has a real thing for us. God is moving by his spirit. Let me tell you, and I feel the time. When I was in the Seychelles, you know, I still go back to the mission field and do a few things. <laughs> And last time I went, I went to the Seychelles. That was one of the things I did. We had 42 students getting certificates for their diploma. Uh, they were a part way, and we gave out. We had two islands we went to. And um, I was preaching in three times, actually, when I was there. And, and I preached at a church on a Sunday. One of our students was the pastor. And another, there were others in the congregation. And when I was there, and we had a lovely worship service, people were worshiping the Lord. It was beautiful, beautiful. And it was like, uh, I got so that I felt the Lord was there walking up and down the aisles. I felt he's here. He's here to help you. You know, I was so over, I wanted to, I didn't know what to do. I felt so strong. I never felt an experience like that in my life. And um, I didn't know what to do. I said, can I ask the pastor, what, what should I do? I didn't know him. I debated. Then I decided, okay. Then there was a lady came in, and they were helping her in. She was, such an anointing of the Spirit came upon me. I felt that if I went over there, I could pray for that lady. She could be healed. But, you know, I have to confess to you, I didn't do it. I didn't, you know, I had never experienced anything like this before. And so, um, I... Um, I waited till I got up to speak, and, I, and then I confessed. I said, you know, I feel this way. I felt the Lord is here in such a mighty way. People could be healed today like that. And then uh, I said, but maybe I will speak the word, and people's faith will grow, and, you know, they'll be ready to be prayed for, and we prayed for many people. And, but I still felt at the end of the day I had missed the ball. You know, when you're walking in the Spirit, when you're in the Spirit and God is moving, you're having a divine encounter with God, you have to be obedient to that. And we learn, we learn that, we learn. So anyway, um, after the service, one of, the, this, one of our students came up to me and she said, 
I want to show you something I've written in my Bible. She said, you know, when, when you, before you got up to speak, I wrote this in my Bible. She said, I felt God spoke to me. And this is what, what she wrote. The Lord is opening a new door of miracles. Hey! It was a confirmation that what I was feeling, God was wanting to do. God wants to do new things in this day. Now I thought to myself, if she had only spoken that word, if she had only spoken it, so maybe she was disobedient too, huh? <laughs> Lord, forgive me. I don't understand. I don't understand everything. But I know that God is doing new things. And let's prepare our hearts. Let's stoke our faith. Let's, um, let's fire our faith a little bit. I have another quotation. Wait now. Um, uh, I have a, a, a quotation here from Nancy Alt in her book on worship. As information, formation, and transformation. She contends that those who gather to publicly worship God are more than worshipers. We become participant learners. It is through worship that we are shaped and grow in our faith. Hear that? Shaped and grow. This is a place of growing in your faith. And why are you absent when there's a meeting here? Midweek. Oh, did I say something wrong? Okay, you heard me, I guess. <laughs> anyway, she says, worship is most effective when it connects with the heart, emotions, the mind, intellect, and the body of worshipers as a whole. We don't worship independently. God wants us to worship as a congregation. I remember once being in a Sunday school meeting of all things, and at the end, toward the end, we sang a song... And we were seated. And it was like everybody had to get up out of their seat all at once. And we worshipped. What an experience. Folks, we're a body. We're one in the spirit. And when you have that unity, I'm telling you, the miracles will happen. I'm prophesying now. This is not the first time I prophesied, but that's the truth. That is the truth. Transformation requires more than well-planned liturgy. The real issue is, do we allow the transforming power of the Spirit into our worship and into our lives? Liturgy and rituals are essential to worship, but the Spirit is the true agent of transformation. Hallelujah. We want to let the, the Lord have his way. If the musicians would come, at this time, we want to take a little time at the end of this service. We want our faith to be fired by entering into worship. Hallelujah. Uh, we are a Pentecostal church, and God is calling us to fire our faith for the journey ahead. It may not be easy. I think of the many people in our uh, fellowship that are needing prayer. Got a message yesterday about Reverend Lynn Coles in Nairobi. She's going for an operation on something to do with her nerves, and I don't know what. It sounds terrible. 
So she really needs our prayers. There's our uh, David Hazard, Reverend Hazard. Uh, we think of Don uh, Mann, a missionary. He's been a missionary. We think of that other missionary, Fort Trelly or whatever it is. The man has got no hope outside of God. There's so many who need our prayers. Brother Challoner. I, I think of my missionary colleagues, and there's so many who need our prayers. We need God. We need God to come on the scene and do miracles for us. And I don't think it's going to happen unless we stoke our faith a little bit. We get into unity and harmony in worship in the spirit. The Lord can open new doors uh, for us. And so I would like us uh, to, to spend some time in worship. But just remind you that Abraham began his journey of faith with a divine human encounter. And then he went on to many encounters. And how did he have those encounters? He built altars. He had altars where he met with God. Folks, we may have an experience of a divine human encounter when we're born of the Spirit, but we must go on and build many altars of prayer. The Apostle Paul began his journey with a divine human encounter on the road to Damascus, and he continued. And we all have had our born-again divine encounter. And many of us have had that divine encounter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or you've had a divine encounter of healing. I've been healed many times. And I've had it in so many different ways. It has come always in a different way. And I think it's a time that we can strategize when we go from this place today on how we are going to make room for, for this. We are going to make sure that this happens. Let's all stand to our feet at this time.